Hi everyone, I am Shubh and welcome to another episode of Little Wisdom where we look into science and spirituality to strengthen our wisdom and also our self-awareness. We are on Instagram and Facebook, so if you're there too, head over to Little Wisdom Podcast to stay updated. Today's episode is part of the International Men's Day special where I speak to three different men from three very different walks of life. They share their journey from boy to man, the trials, the triumphs, and what they want other boys and men to know, and women too. International model, co-founder, dancer, MC, community builder, and so much more. Today's guest has never taken the conventional path, and he creates his place wherever his heart and curiosity takes him. Sharing his journey of self-acceptance, overcoming childhood bullying, and embracing success from his non-conformist approach to life, please welcome Andy Chua. Hi, Andy. Welcome to Little Wisdom Podcast. Thank you for being here for this International Men's Day special. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited to have you. <laughs> All right. So let's jump right into it. Um, before we go into some of the, you know, what is the meaning of life type of questions, <laughs> do you want to share anything, you know, just about yourself, uh, about your journey from boy to man, anything you want people to know? I'm age 31 this year. Um, honestly, I still feel very much like a boy. You know, I have kind of a stable job. I recently got a house and, you know, there's a lot more responsibility, I would say. But sometimes I still feel young at heart. Uh, and I still wish to play and I still, you know, um, want to explore and uh, have like different things happening in my life. Just kind of thinking back to when I was really a lot younger, there has been a lot of changes, you know, in terms of my mentality and how I view things, how I view myself, you know, in terms of self-acceptance and how I resonate with you know, my identity as well. So I'm really excited to, you know, have this conversation with you today and dissect a lot of different things that comes up. Yeah. So you spoke a little bit about self-acceptance, you know, trying to see yourself in a different light. You are a model. So it goes without saying that obviously you are an attractive man. Can you share, you know, a little more about was there always doubt? Yeah, just to set the record straight, I think, Shub, you've placed me on quite a high bar, but <laughs> I have never actually felt that I was good looking, to be very honest. Um, I think I didn't grow up feeling that way, and I wasn't made to feel that way when I was growing up. Uh, I remember back in the school days, um, you know, I always look at other guys in the class, what are the more popular ones, and be like, oh, they are really good looking, and you know, girls like to be around them, and they get all this attention, like, why am I not there? I'm not the typical like fair skin kind of guy, skin and very tall, 188cm. So I was always the tallest in class, but I was also very lanky and um, skinny. So can you imagine that? And, and you know, like I wasn't exactly a sporty person when I was growing up. So I always felt like I wasn't good looking. And even until now, like even after kind of going to modeling, I don't feel that I am the good-looking model compared to other models. I think I am a little bit more edgy. Um, I look a little bit more unique. 
So I never actually think or be in that mental state that, oh, I am good looking. Wow. Okay. That is a surprise to me that that really is. I, I think it's also very insightful that all of us feel vulnerable. When to people on the outside, it can seem like the person has it all. You know, it also attracts a fair bit of hate. They just kind of hate you uh, without realizing that, hey, everybody has uh, their things that they're trying to get through. So was there a point when you realized that you need to work at self-acceptance? Is there a practice or something that you do that helped you realize that, no, Andy, like you can do this much, but you're pretty amazing as you are? Um, I think for me personally, dance was the one that got me through it and kind of helped me change the way I think about myself. I was tall, dark skinned, very like skinny, but also at the same time, not exactly very masculine, right? I was a little bit off more towards the feminine side when I was back in um, secondary school. And I was always being bullied and laughed at, um, you know, by my peers, right? And I was also not the spotty kind of guy. Like I'm always into arts and creativity. Joined like choir. I was singing. I was performing on stage. I was dancing. So people just kind of you know you know just pick me up from the rest. And because I'm I guess because I'm tall, it's hard to miss. You, so you stand out, yeah. I stand out. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's like an easy target, right? I was feeling a lot of um you know emotional stuff about this sort of sentiment against me, right? And I grew up thinking that I should be more masculine. I should be more men. I should be more sporty. I should just kind of fit into, you know, what people or what other kids or even what my parents think that you need to be as a guy, as a man. But as I was kind of going more into dance, you know, it really focused a lot on self-expression. And honestly, now to think back, every time when I'm dancing... I feel liberated. I feel like I can be myself. And uh, when I walked out of that dance, I feel happy. And I feel I feel freedom, right? A sense of freedom. So I think that was the time when I when I really think that I need to accept myself for who I am. And I was getting all this applause and attention and also at the same time like validation from others for doing what I do. I feel like, you know, that was when I, I think, you know, I really need to um, accept myself and embrace, you know, different side of myself. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that you found self-acceptance in a kind of a self-expression uh, and that that gives you that kind of comfort and peace. But it's true. I don't, it also gives you really good uh, endorphins with all the exercise. So I think that's good too. You sweat it out. Um, so you spoke a little bit about, you know, growing up and being treated differently. I know you've shared with me about your journey of, of coming out. For people who don't know about that, can you share? Yeah. So I think I speak so much about like my coming up story. Sometimes it's, I just kind of reframe it to make it sound really positive. But to be honest, I think, um, you know, coming out as gay uh, in the Singapore society has not been easy. And um, I don't want to. I don't want to discredit that um, that journey, right? Um, I think when I realized that I was gay, I was in denial for a long time, and the reason for that is because there's all this noise around you that tell you 
you should man up. You should not cry. You should not be vulnerable. You should be strong, and you should take care of the girls. You know that sort of sentiments going around you, not just from people in the school, your teachers, your parents. It is really tough. I would say there was no self acceptance, even when I was dancing. Right, I think when I was dancing, I was kind of accepting myself in terms of how I behave and how I like how my body movements are and how I walk. But I guess the identity piece comes in really a lot at a later stage.、Um, so dance was kind of a good start to kind of recognize some of those attributes, but really accepting myself、uh, for being gay、uh, and coming out. Is only when I was in my early twenties. You know, it's interesting you say that because people, I think, sometimes they paint a picture that it pivots and everything's fine after that. But I think that you're being so honest that it's a journey. You know, it takes time. You have to cultivate it. There is a back and forth and a bit of a push and pull, and then you know you you get to a certain point. But you have to kind of keep digging at it and and working on it. Yeah, and I think sometimes because. It's been so long, right? <laughs> It's been so long. I'm li- leading a great life right now, and sometimes you just kind of forget about it. I mean, it can be unintentional, but it can also be intentionally. Some people just wants to forget the past because it's so painful, and maybe that's also part of how we are being brought up, right? We want to always paint a good picture. Ah, it's fine. You know, it's all over. I'm good now. But you know, when you just kind of like sit down. On your own and reflect, you know these things are there. It doesn't go away. You really have to just embrace it. That's true. That's true. Embrace, embrace it all in in the the good and the bad and the good that comes after the bad. But do you recall any specific incident or incidents where you know you were treated differently because of your sexual orientation? Yeah,、um, all the time, <laughs> even until now.、I'll、give you some examples. So. Before I was, before I came out, of course, you know, people were sus- people in school were suspecting whether I'm gay. So of course, they kind of talk behind your back. They, you know, make a lot of assumptions. They call you names, and you know, there's sort of like typical bullying incident that happens in school, right? And of course, after I came out, you get a lot more positive affirmation from your friends, definitely, right? And you kind of attract yourself to a certain type of people, different communities that really support it, right? But still, you know, like you get treated differently. I mean, I get treated differently by you know some people that are homophobic. But I get it a lot online. I'm very、um, active on social media. You get really rude and you know annoying comments by people who don't know you and want to make a statement and you know have an opinion on your on the way you live your life. You know, subconsciously, people treat you a little bit. Differently, or they kind of give you a little bit of special treatment, if I would put it that way. And you kind of see this, especially during Pride Month, where brands and people want you to, you know, be involved. And I think it's kind of a fine line, right? Like whether as a brand or as a person, you are really supporting, you know, the LGBTQ plus community, or you're just taking this person. Um, and you know, getting them involved as a trophy just because they are openly out as gay person, and there's no one else to talk about this issue except for them. So I think for me, I don't exactly know the intention behind 
why they are reaching out to me and why they are talking to me. It it can be quite hard to juggle. So I do I do feel a little bit of that difference in terms of treatment. I mean, I really wish that people see this as really normal thing, right? Like, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the ideal situation that one day people would not think like, oh, you're gay, you're straight, but you're just all humans. Yes, I understand what you're referring to because I do notice a lot of people tend to thrive on the sense of tokenism when certain things happen. You know, it's one thing, I think, if you know somebody, you know, it's with any particular day, like let's say it's like, I don't know, refugee day or this thing or international uh, wildlife. And, you know, people have a tendency to be like, oh, I had this moment when a fleeting moment when I interacted with this being (laughs) or somebody from this segment of society and they feel the need to leverage on it, to wave it in the air, to be like, look, I'm aligned. But the rest of the 364 days, they're not really doing anything about it. So I I feel what you're trying to say. I think it's it's uh, it's good that they I think that they make that effort, but I also understand where your confusion and that and that maybe a mild frustration comes from. I'm going to try and phrase my next question very carefully, but I'm really <laughs> want to know: Is it frustrating uh, to sometimes have these conversations when people talk to you? Um, and this is the only angle they take, you know, is, is it, I mean, do you sometimes just want to say, look, I, yes, I'm gay, but I'm more than just gay. Like there is more to me than just this. And if so, can you like talk a little more about that? I know we're focusing on that in this conversation, but really, cause I want to dig into it and give you the space mm. to just be like, you know, there's more. Yeah. Thanks for asking that question. Cause I think, you know, this is something that's been going on, uh, in my mind for the past, I guess, one or two years, because I've been a lot more involved in sort of, you know, advocating for, um, you know, gay people in Singapore and, you know, talking about LGBTQ plus yeah. issues, especially in workplaces as well. So one thing that I was telling this um, media company that I was speaking to just last month was at the end of the day, right? I think it's good if we put on an activist hat and you were advocating for LGBTQ plus rights, and we are talking about it, I think it's absolutely fine to, you know, just kind of narrow down on this identity and talk about it in a more in-depth position. But just on a daily basis at work or daily basis when you go out with your friends, well, I want to be treated like a human. I want to, treat a, I want to be treated like a human being instead of a gay person. Because if not, topics will always revolve around my gayness or like my gay identity right and i think that's not healthy for anyone right we can't hold you know a general conversation i think that's something that we need to start worrying about i would definitely tell people to always focus on people first and then identity second sometimes it must be frustrating to have that front and then people only see that side of you but you're like I have a ton of other colors and abilities that I can show. You know, I'm so much more than just this one face. So, so I'm glad I asked that. And thank you for sharing that. I think it's important that people see more than just that. Imagine Andy 15 years ago, or let's just say Andy as a nine-year-old. What advice would you, would you give him? 
Sorry, I'm thinking how I look when I was nine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I will tell my nine old self to continue being who he is, and even more, not try to hide himself from. Anyone like not to try try to hide his identity, um, not try to hide his confidence because it's always in there. It's just that because there's a lot of fear of you know showing that and just continue to be fabulous, you know. Because <laughs> I like, right. I feel like I've it, I feel like it's always in there. Yeah, but it is not coming out as much because like he has a lot of fear. He's afraid of a lot of things, right? Yeah. And I want him to know that you know he will be successful, and he will have all the great things that come to him in the following years. So he should really take advantage of all of the things that he has at nine years old. All right. I wanted to ask you because we we spoke a little bit about these terms that came up, you know, like manning up and being a man, and obviously International Men's Day. We're trying to re-explore what that means. Um, do you think it's there's a difference in society from ten, twenty years ago and now? And what do you think it means to be a man, even if there is such a thing, or should we just do away with something like that altogether? First of all, I think it hasn't changed much. The environment that I'm in, I have a nephew now. He's seven years old. You know, the kind of thing that my sister or even my parents are teaching him are not quite different as to how I was being taught, but I would teach him very differently. Like I would tell him things like, "You can cry, right? You can you can fail. It's fine. Like it's, there's no big deal." Of course, we do see that there are male leaders that are a lot more vulnerable now, but still. I feel that in terms of my generation or the following generation, no, I don't think people are all that different. Right. So there still needs to be a lot that needs to be done. There is a lot of talk. Uh, I don't know how much of it is real or being practiced, but there are certain places that are talking more about it's okay for men to be vulnerable. And you mentioned it's okay to cry. Uh, I think which is really important because it affects men's health when they just kind of keep everything in because it's a subconscious. Pressure cooker type of a stress that retains in, and it affects their mental and emotional well-being and physically as well. What do you think it means for a man to be vulnerable, and why is it also so difficult? Yeah, so this is something I remember that I recently had a open discussion with my dad, which you know comes by really difficult.、Um, you know, we don't really exactly have heart to heart talk. You know, ever since young, but recently we actually had the chance to have a little bit of that, you know, emotional heart-to-heart talk.、Um, and this is something that we spoke about. I was saying that you know, my dad is actually a really emotional person, but he hides all his emotions inside. He doesn't showcase his love for his kids. He does not, you know, hug you and and you know say I love you easily. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't feel that way, and I realize that as he ages, he is letting go a lot of that pride, and it's very interesting because I asked him like, why does he not get emotional with us when you know when we were young, and you know he told us that he don't exactly know how to. He told me that he was brought up in a very different environment, 
he lost his father when he was 10. I think in generation, even worse still, right? You can't be emotional. You have to be tough and be a man, right? And I think that has, I think psychologically, it's passed on to him that way. And that's how he visualized himself being, you know, the head of the family. But it's interesting that we actually had that conversation recently. And I think that he actually opened up a lot which I was pretty surprised. Maybe it comes with age. It comes with like, you know, your kids has grown up. You know, there's really nothing much to worry about. They have their own family. They are, they are at their own, you know, now. So he's a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very important lesson. All right. As you know, this is a, uh, this is a science and spirituality based podcast. So I wanted to ask you, is there something that you do, whether it's based in science, whether it's based in spirituality, any kind of practice that you have done or that you do that you think was, is going to help our listeners? It's beneficial and, and they should try it as well. There's actually one thing that I've got into recent years, which is journaling, but really writing down your feelings and emotions. So I do kind of, you know, like bulleting journaling and I have some questions that really tackle very deeply into how I feel, how I interact with all my emotions. I, I think journaling really helps because it's, it's really a very private activity. But at the same time, it is a time where you can be really honest to yourself because no one is going to read your journal, right? Yeah. But or you hope that no one's going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> you hope that no one's going to read it. Um, so just just being very honest um, with yourself. What journaling pushes me to do is to not reframe, but to write everything down in, in the most like raw form and just get it out there. Right? Get it off your system, how you really feel. And to my surprise, a lot of things came out, things that are you know, buried deep down, just kind of like got out into my journal. I really hope no one reads it. but I think it's really a good exercise to do it to just like let it out somewhere because I feel like there are definitely certain things that are so ingrained in us that we are so afraid to share with you know our friends our family there needs to be a channel for us to let it out somewhere another one that I would um, suggest is called Enneagram and you know what I like about Enneagram is how it relates back to your childhood memories kind of draws out what are some of my personality types and I was doing a lot more research into that you know what are some of the incidents and trauma that I went through as a kid that got me to current personality it's quite tricky I would say it was very emotional for me but at the same time it really helped me to heal a lot and that's also one of the reasons why I could have a very open discussion and talk with my dad right yeah no I think that's very useful because everything is sometimes just embedded in stuff in the past that we've just chosen to erase and not address. But yeah. Well, this was wonderful. Um, anything that you want our listeners to know or any message you want to leave them with? Well, I would say that for all the men listening to this podcast, find a space or a channel where you can you know, share your deepest emotions, whether it's positive or negative, and never kind of put it in yourself. Like, have a person, a trusted person, or a trusted journal, you know, like keep it in a safe, lock it up, but somewhere that you can channel those um, emotions and sentiments to. I think that's, that's really important. And to all the women out there who's listening to this, 
try to recognize that it's okay for your husband, your boyfriend, or your、um, father. You know, any any male close to you. That it's okay for them to be vulnerable, be weak, be whatever they wish to be in a safe environment. There are certain factors why men are not opening up because they feel that they always have to be in the state of protecting, being the person to hold things together. But if we're in a state where we feel that people around us are supportive, there for us to rely on on different occasions, I think it will really help a lot. Super! Thank you so much for that. You heard him, ladies and gentlemen. Practice all of those things. Create a safe space. Be supportive to each other. It's okay to be vulnerable. And you heard it from Andy Chua, the man who makes his own way wherever he goes. But thank you so much for being here and. For showing me again, you know, a, a different side to you, and for sharing all of these insights that I think people need to hear, and they will relate to, and they will benefit from. Thanks, thanks for having me. You're most welcome. Thanks once again for sharing your journey, and thank you to the listeners for joining us today. Take care of yourselves, stay happy, and as always, stay wise. <laughs>